So I've been considering how to um, do some concluding um, sessions this morning. There's always the dumber is inexhaustible, but the audience is definitely exhaustible. (laughs) 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 The the teacher is also exhaustible. So without wanting to get into things that just tangle your head up with too many kind of unfinished um, bits and pieces. Um, but still I'd like to in some way point to some of the more profound um, aspects of the, say towards the unconditioned. So talking about the sankharas and then so the point really of of working with the sankharas is both to dispel negative ones in the really destructive stuff to bring up skillful ones and also what's called the imperturbable which is more like the the jhanas and the samatha sankharas formations, patterns, programs, programs that lead to those particular experiences. And then the but there's also this releasing from sankharas. Complete release of those. So I thought I'd start with looking at the Anapanasati Sutta. It's a good um, basic and very very um, thorough meditation guide and then I'll look a little bit at some of the aspects of dependent origination that are pertinent to what we can look at today anyway and then perhaps conclude with a, some look, uh, reviewing of the Chula Sunyata Sutta the discourse, lesser discourse on emptiness so so if we look at the Anapanasati Sutta this is the 818th Sutta of the Majima so you can see there are these um, what are called four tetrads so the first four that's one tetrad, it's a group of four. This deals with the bodily aspect, Kaya Sankara. Second group, five to th- through eight, deal with the, what are called the Chitta Sankara, the mental formations or mental um, programs, productions. Third tetrad, third group of four, deals with the mind, Chitta. And the fourth group, fourth tetrad changes its refrain and talks about certain um, signs or certain we might say wisdom signs or reflections into the nature of experience fourth tetrad which deals with impermanence or inconstancy dispassion cessation and relinquishment it's a refrain that I I think you're becoming familiar with this is 
you might say the gradation of insight and these four tetrads can be seen as um, rather like a thumb and three fingers kind of opposed and yet complementary so the first three deal really with the samatha process fourth one deals with the vipassana process I would also say that it's, it's never the case that you just do purely one or the other the two are combined so when these, so the way it works is as we if we're looking at the first tetrad you're looking at the bodily, bodily experience of the body breathing in and out how the body experiences that how you know you're breathing you might say and as that, as that becomes steady and calm you're also in relationship to that bodily experience you're contemplating it as all oh, this is impermanent, it's changing um, there's a fading out of, of passion with regard to, to the body um, there's a sense of s- certain um, energies and bodily um, impulses ceasing you know grabbing at the body, the kind of fascination with the body or the disgust in the body or the nervous tension in the body or the um, various forms of stress in either the body itself and the way that we regard the body the ceasing or stopping of those and then relinquishment means one, there's a relinquishment of of you know, of identity with that or or of um, being caught up or in any way like either disliking it or liking it verse wanting to get out of it when again it's just that you just don't mess with it one way or another it's just there it is <laughs> and that, so that's ceasing of the identification relinquishment so that's an example of how the, the fourth will work with the first yeah now also you may as you look at this teaching you also probably recognize it's in some ways it's very it's quite thorough and and there's a whole you know progressive instruction with it but it doesn't for example it doesn't mention focusing on any particular point in the body when you breathe in and breathe out it just says you know you're breathing in you know you're breathing out um, and then the, the br- long breathing, short breathing I think what you will find as you let the breath really extend so as I was saying I've tried to put some attention into the practices of Anapanasati just getting the posture right and beginning to, to open particularly the lower body, the abdomen where you, get a, you can get chronic uh, constriction from the solar plexus partly because of posture you know sitting hunched slightly hunched partly because of a kind of uh, an unconscious or semi-conscious reflex to to control or hold things or even slight amount of fear or anxiety always causes this part of the body to, to tighten when we feel anxious we get what they call butterflies in the stomach you get that, that expression this kind of nervous sense where you, something in you starts to a lot of lot of nerve endings in the in the in the guts that start to tingle, and naturally the, the abdomen stiffens up, 
Well, it's a protective thing because you've got all these soft tissues in there. So when there's fear, then your abdomen tends to tighten and stiffen. Um, so it can be the case that certain degrees of chronic anxiety, um, particularly when you're living in situations, you're moving around through crowds of people you don't know with all sorts of flashing lights and, you know, frighten the pants of anybody really. I mean, you know, sometimes just getting out of doors is a big challenge, isn't it? So it's amazing how we, we sort of somehow managed to cruise above all this stuff and you realise just how, how dangerous and things are kind of banging and popping and, and stuff all, all around us. So I think a lot of animals would find it very, very frightening to be out on the main street. <laughs> and of course, you know, we're, we're, we're on guard. There's a certain guardness that can occur. So anyway, this is, so you get these tensions occur. So that can be chronic and completely without you know, conscious intention, but just just settle in there. So this necessity to to perhaps work through the body to get the breathing really long and full, so it goes all the way down. You can really let go, and you can really allow the breathing to occur from the pit of the of the abdomen in its own pace, and then opening up the chest. You often get restrictions around the chest and the throat area. Again, similar. Um, similar um, psychologies can occur so get the, really the lung and as when if you allow the breathing to do that it will tend to sort of expand and move around and then it will start to quieten down you get what is called short breathing breathing becomes very fine mind, as the mind calms down it gets kind of finer shorter breath sometimes it seems as if one's hardly breathing at all sensitive to the entire body this is what I've talked about um, suffusing or, or when, you, you're, when you get a sense of centering in that breath energy the breathing energy and you feel yourself centering in that how to widen um, to, to spread through the whole body so this is rather like if you're looking at a, a painting and first of all you look at a particular detail on the painting you really look at that and you get that in focus and then without moving at all you just widen your focus it's rather that, that you do that with your mind so you can then widen your attention to go over the whole body and because the mind and the body on a feeding level are interactive the qualities of the, the calmness of the body means the mind calms down so as the mind opens it spreads that quality of calm and ease and refreshment through the whole body mm. so this is calming the bodily formation so it's the energies and which are centered around the breathing can then calm that's, that's the first tetrad and contemplating as you do all this experience of body how it's changed how some ways when your bodily senses change your sense of who you are shifts a little bit become less because your mind is less activated perhaps even your sense of your body changes from being something that you feel stuck in or it's hard it becomes something that feel, can feel 
almost translucent and very light and soft and pleasant so you know you notice the changing from one form to another to another form from one set of, of rupa earth air fire water to another set so so when you constantly recognize that you you realize how changeable form is so you can't really say this is my form because it can change it shifts dispassion towards that means it's you know because because, because it changes one is less concerned about it less you know involved with it and so certain programs which are um, attached to the bodily senses in some ways either anxiety or nervousness or vanity or wanting the body to feel a certain way or another you know that that is just the body's concern you know you you can calm it and steady it but you don't take an identity with it then we have the sense of relinquishment so that's the samatha we, we pass in the process and as I've outlined it rather clumsily because it sounds in words it sounds so kind of contrived and clunky and it's, it's these realizations are not verbal realizations but I have to put them in words mm. and you may find your own senses with that your own ways of expressing or realizing that for yourself second deals with the citta sankara mental programs mental fabrications mental productions stuff mental stuff so this is a two kinds perceptions and feelings perceptions can be likened to when you think something often a little image appears in your mind so you think of someone you know who's that oh Hank you know Susan something if you say that name something happens it's not just the sound you don't just get the sound (laughs) so that's that's a perception because you get it so when these verbal strings of words actually the little light bulbs fl- flashing in the head that's called perception <laughs> and you may get images a uh, visual image or a, gen- or a mood image like fondness or irritation or something of that nature Two will generally so you get a rough impression that's who he is right now in my mind that's a perception and of course we have this for ourselves in various ways when our attention swings back to this uh, certain mood tones arise this is perception and the feeling can be happy or sad or whatever so all this is kind of fluttering away and uh, the theme here is using the quality of rapture that is when the, when the body sense is calmed you get a kind of vibrant buoyant mood hmm refreshed buoyant quality like you're no longer having to keep pushing to 
trying to get it together to make it happen and the hindrances when the hindrances cease you get this sense of rapture relief uplift and um, this particular tone then that affects the mind it tends to make the mind relaxes becomes um, less agitated so you get the calming of the mental formations emotional formations psychological formations Mm. third tetrad sensitive to the mind as I've been trying to suggest the mind is if the mind is not the thinking the mind is not the memories the mind is not the impulses these are things that the mind does or happens to the mind then as we begin to as the mind begins to all this stuff starts to calm down some of these formations disappear or aren't there anymore we're left with a quality and some people might say call it knowing but it's not not cognitive some people might call it a kind of presence or awareness you know um, it has a, a subtle form to it not an not a obvious form but a subtle sense of hereness it can feel warm or bright or spacious or vast or comfortable it has these tonal qualities to it so it's a subtle form um, and it's a knowing form it's, it's like a um, as if it is already knowing you know that sense of ah yes and I suppose what I, the analogy I might use is is if in your if you look at it, if you use the analogy of your body if you're always moving around you know about movement you know how the body feels and it's moving you know how to move things around and or, or things are happening to the body like you're getting contact happening to the body and you're getting pressures and sensations and then maybe you just that you stop moving and you are somewhere very spacious and you just started to feel the sense of balance in your body you come to the sense of balance in the body what does it feel like? <coughs> there's a kind of knowingness to it because it's the knowing knows it knows whether you're balanced or not and yet it, it's no particular sensations it's mostly the absence of sensations the absence of pressures the absence of tensions the absence of movement the absence of holding yourself so similarly when you know, this is just a rough analogy when the mind gives, is able to release from its tensions its holdings, its pressures, its, its permutations you get this quiet sense of an inner presence that feels like a, a sense of balance it knows it's balanced and it, it, but it, it's not forming anything out of that so this is what in my sense the third tetrad is about you're sensitive to that you start to know you have you have this sensitivity this awareness quality chitta the next phrase satis, um, sensitive to it satisfying abhipamojayam which can also be translated as thoroughly gladdening or pamoja is to feel glad satisfying, gladdening, brightening so you start, you've got to realize that sense of awareness 
and you bring it to the fore there's a feeling of relief it's like a homecoming oh yes and you really bring that to the fore and, and enjoy the quality of awareness itself and then, and then steadying it steadying it and releasing it releasing it from um, doing anything <laughs> you know kind of those volitional twitches doing something thinking something making something and all that so you let the mind be very still and and begin to let go of the programs <coughs> this is called the uh, we might say this is awareness release I think we came across that term before the chitta vimuti the awareness release release of the subtle form of the mind from um, stress from impingement from confusion from fragmentation it's the release of samatha and the process of insight is to look into all that what is it that's released mm. or knowing that the mind has changed its shape from being say very broken up or rippling like turbulent water into something more like still water mm. from being a torrent or from being um, bubbling to something that's very still and serene and vast so it's changed shape it's changed its form um, which is the real one yeah. so you know most of you think well I, I like the still one better <laughs> that's the real mind you know. <laughs> because I'd sooner go for that this is called um, but when as I imagine most of us would be inclined to do <laughs> so then we would identify with that this is called an in- imperturbable formation <laughs> it means one sets a program up to, to have more to be more to identify with that sense of being still and imperturbable it's called, an imp- it's called a volition or a formation that's, uh, that's inclining towards the imperturbable mm-hmm. uh, and in one of the suttas the Ninjaya Sutta the, there's a discourse the Buddha gives on the in- imperturbable in the Majima and he says to Ananda you know, and he goes way out into these really, really, really far out states uh, neither perception, non-perception he said this is as good as it's going to get terms of being imperturbable uh, and it says uh, but <laughs> it says if you want to cling cling to this but the release from clinging is deathlessness well, deathlessness is the mind's liberation from clinging so it's clinging to anything you know. mm. So in the development of, of meditation, there's a point which you're going to put the book down <laughs> with faith you let go of belief and you keep letting go of it and trusting the unknown and every time you start to think you got it, you let go of it keep trusting the unknown, keep trusting the sense of of groundlessness in a way and that's so when we have faith in Buddha we're really practicing faith in this knowingness which is 
trace this um, open, aware, clear, balanced, you know. And so then there's a sense of, you know, that's that's symbolized by this Buddha, what we call Buddha as a, as a human or as a statue, is referring to the quality of awakeness. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and when you look at, you also, just from a basic point of view, you can consider the Buddha as a person thinking, well, this is a person you could probably trust. <coughs> but, you know, that's, that's from more a cognitive point of view, from the direct meditative point of view, perhaps it's more useful to try to internalize that some, something in yourself that um, um, feels awakened or is moving that way. Yeah. Just, just on that topic, why would you have faith in the unknown? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> unless there's something known. <laughs> you can, well, well, you have faith in it, or you have fear in it, fear for it, or you try and fill it up. You either have faith in it, or you fear the unknown or you try to fill up the unknown with certain ideas what do you want to do? (laughs) well you can either have something the unknown, the sense of unknowing not knowing you can feel anxious about it you could try to fill it up with this, this will be this way this will be that way you can create that kind of agitation or you could say well, looks like I don't know Mm -hmm. Uh uh-huh why not just rest in that and then there's a quality of opening having faith, faith is what makes you feel assured, steady, balanced Mm -hmm. Um, where well, there are many programs that, that formulate the sense of self. They get from the grosser to the subtler. So the grosser ones would be with the bodily sense, feeling you are in a body. This feeling, you know. So when when the bodily sense fades, that sense of being a body, being in a body, being afflicted by bodily sensations and whatever programs arise around that, that can, that can dissolve or disappear, so that le- level of selfness can disappear, then the sense of self which is associated with feelings, thoughts, moods, emotions, where we say I am this, I am that, that fades with the quietening of Chitta Sankara and what remains is the sense of knowing and then we feel there's a sense of well I am the knowing and then that's what we use insight to you know you can't really you can attenuate that sense of I am the knowing to very subtle forms and yet it remains unless insight works on the very sense of inclination taking a stand on Proclivity towards that sense. <coughs> so, if, we, if there's a release of that, then the sense of I am can cease. 
sets the mind's consternation and uncertainties around these forms that, that mean they preoccupy us same thing with um, memories for example you know, sometimes we'd imagine you know, how do I clear out all my past actions uh, and you know, what happens is that you know you can remember all the things you've, you've done or many of them but they don't haunt you because they, they've lost their sting they've lost their bite you know you've, you've kind of cleaned out your, your response to them they don't kind of oh my goodness oh no oh how embarrassing oh geez. <laughs> that doesn't have to happen so you don't get that twitch into the formations don't occur around stuff you can still go back to it but it's just it's, it's like it, the fire's gone out focus on what's coming up in your mind and um, calming the various productions that can occur around that so you focus on it and because you've got a back if you've got this background reference of, of, of an uplifted bright mental state then when all this mental stuff comes up there's an agitation like a push or a surge or a retraction that kind of tremble can start to happen and you just breathe through it it's like smoothing it out you know it's like you know so you, get, you get something like anxiety you can feel the tendency to anxiety you can feel a slight wavering or tension rises just like a wave coming up before it breaks out into thoughts and really starts running it's just breathe out or breathe in you know, so you send that wave of, of rapture of ease right across the field of the mind and it tends to keep smoothing out these, these waves as they, as they come up so that's where you're working on the mental mental formation so the perceptions and feelings cause this this creation to arise this kind of wave of, pro- of production of mental production starts coming up yeah you feel something and oh is it, you feel your mental energy starts to get a little bit busier or rocking and then you just start smooth it out smooth it out so that yeah is that clear this is this in theory <laughs> so I want to move on actually so I'd like you to look just very quickly at page 24 we start off with the 51st Sutta of the Sangyuta of the 12th chapter of the Sangyuta Nikaya Parivimangsana Sutta if a person immersed in ignorance generates a meritorious volitional formation consciousness fares on to the meritorious so it sounds pretty um, immersed in ignorance <laughs> it means if, one's, if there's still a sense of, of self view and identification then whenever the skillful 
um, mental di- mental intentions come up, then there's a clinging to that, and that takes one to a meritorious or a happy or wholesome destination. Demeritorious, the contrary, then it generates an imperturbable. It fares on to the imperturbable, jhana or metta, to to these very lofty states. Then and there's, then you, you and there's no penetrative insight. Then it leads to um, what's called the arising in the Brahma Loka, these very sublime states of mind. And in the Buddhist cosmology, Buddhist way of seeing things, it leads to a, re- a birth in those particular realms. Which, after all, is not to be sniffed at. Because <laughs> they're long, too. You know, kalpas of it. Generally, the theme is if you're in a Brahma Loka, then with, if there's the potency, if there's a kind of potential still there to develop insight, that goes along and you develop insight from there. You know. So there's this special reserved Brahma Loka for good meditators, and where you don't experience pain anymore, any kind, and you just sit there working out your insight. To you. <laughs> but then the bit is if one does not generate skillful, unskillful or imperturbable one doesn't cling to anything one not agitated one personally attains Nibbana now in those few in that few sentences is the um, main topic of the morning (laughs) of the morning today does not generate meritorious, demeritorious or imperturbable not clinging not agitated attains Nibbana similar message but different words what one intends, what one arranges what one obsesses about this is a support for the stationing of consciousness what one intends, what one arranges, what one obsesses about that's, that's the volition, that's the sankara, volitional formation this supports the stationing of consciousness consciousness gets stationed, gets parked if you like either in a meritorious, a demeritorious, or imperturbable that's where it goes, you know because of one's intention, because of one's directive, because of one's concerns, because of one's habits. Um, skillful, unskillful, or imperturbable. When that consciousness lands and grows, there is a production of renewed becoming in the future. When there is the production of renewed becoming, there is future birth, aging, death, sorrow, lamentation, pain, stress, and despair. So, hmm if one doesn't intend and doesn't arrange but still obsesses about something this is a support for the stationing of consciousness so this we might say is becoming from the the more conscious voluntary directions where you, something you, you know you're doing it you, you're kind of going you're deliberately intending you're deliberately moving in a certain direction obsession deals more with these anutsaya 
which are latent tendencies, you still have a kind of a fundamental hankering, you know, for you name it, you know, sort of. So it's sort of a, a more like a reflex inclination rather than a more um, formulated thing. This is Anutsaya. So this is um, for form, for example. For, for um, fine material states. So as it's in the list of the ten fetters, we see that there for the um, non-returner, once-returner, there's, there's, a, there's a strong inclination towards subtle states of samadhi. What's called rupa and arupa. Rupa means craving for form, and arupa craving for formlessness. So these two fetters, which are like strong inclinations, one feels really moved in that way. One feels one inclines in that way. Uh, rupa and arupa. Rupa form, it means form in the sense of this subtle form, subtle mental form. And one really enjoys and interested in that, moves towards that. Um, so there's the you know, one of the anecdotal pieces is of uh, Tanajan Tate, who was a, uh, a very highly regarded monk, passed away about ten years ago, I think. And he was the disciple of the renowned master Ajahn Mun. And he used to slip, get into these samadhi states, and he'd just go out into bliss. And he had this strong latent tendency to go into, into bliss. And so he, he just, you know, it's almost like force of gravity. His mind would just go into this state of bliss all the time. So it took Ajahn Mun 12 years to get him out of it. <laughs> Not your problem, I guess. <laughs> so, you know, because it's such a strong tendency. You know, for the mind just goes, oh, and yeah, you know, Vajramund uh, felt he could do he could do better than this. He could actually realise nibbana instead. So he would act, he then, I think the basic practice he would get him to do was to get really earthy, get down to feeling bones, flesh, sinews, muscle, blood, walking up and down, stomping on his path to get really earthy, just to contemplate the impermanence, develop the sign of of him develop the, the faculty of, of vipassana because his mind was so strongly attuned to, to samatha you know, to that sense of calm and getting more and more peaceful and sublime and it's so lovely uh, you know and go, going there and uh, you know it makes you feel good just to think of somebody who can do that you know. <laughs> It hasn't taken me 12 years to get out of that one. <laughs> but we may, you know, we may have strong inclinations towards knowing what we're doing, for example. You know, like strong, so it's, um, you, you're getting quite calm and you get this continual nagging sense of wanting to know. You know, wanting to know where I am, wanting to get it certain, you know. And it's, it's a kind of habit that to, to, to 
work with, you know, by by beginning to rec to if you have that kind of inclination, you start to really look at the nature of the known. You know, no, no, known itself is really just the fantasy, isn't it? You know, we it's a kind of very loose sort of gossamer web we throw over things, thinking I know today. You don't know. <laughs> you, you know, you've got some parameters, but you, you know, I know who I am. You don't know who you are. <laughs> you, know, you know, you can get up with a name, a few numbers, and some memories, but is that it? Uh, so as we can't start to really work on it in a very, very fundamental, you know, hands-on and perhaps more earthy level, you begin to perhaps can begin to take some of these reflexes and apply reflex obsessions and start to really check them out at a level which is not so subtle, where you can actually witness you know, how good how good is happiness. You know, nothing wrong with it, but what does it feel it's a kind of um, it's a certain you know, I don't want to make it sound too negative but it's a certain kind of drugged state with it it's, it's like a certain euphoric thing where you get this lovely glowy rosy feeling come washing over I think it's really great really nice <laughs> it's better than having a sour cloud but it is, it is a mist you know, things are not happy or unhappy those are just things that chemicals that the system produces and it, it washes when you're in love everything looks lovely when you've just been dumped everything looks miserable <laughs> which, you know, which is the real thing so these are colourings aren't they the kind of feeling level so when we have that inclination one way you just have to check it out um, so this is obsession or fundamental inclination so when one doesn't attend and doesn't arrange but still obsesses there is support for the stationing of consciousness that's why it's important to in practice to check out some of these more fundamental reflexes Um, and quite uh, often in monastic life one of the one, one of the values of the teacher like Ajahn Man would be get a feeling for your for your reflexes and continually create situations where you can't follow that habit. You can't go there. And just see then once you can't go there you see the clinging and you see the pressure and you see the sense of disorientation or frustration because I can't get into my obsessive pattern. You know, so Ajahn, Ajahn Chah is very good at um, things like knowing. You never know. You never knew what was going on because he'd always change things around. It's like those hurry up and wait experiences. Mm. If you give a talk, you didn't know it's going to be ten minutes, twenty minutes, six hours, three hours. <laughs> it's done up. So that feeling in your mind of getting things sorted and having a routine and things being fair and established and you know, boom, blown, blown away. Um, so he would often work like that. He said his somebody asked him his te- what his basic te- what was his meditation technique? What technique did he teach people? And he said my meditation technique is frustration. <laughs> 
<laughs> so you can't kind of follow your inclinations. Uh, uh, and so naturally you get a kind of disproportionate perhaps amount of confusion or irritation and then you know but then actually there's no malice you know it's not as if is it really deliberately trying to do you any harm it just won't let you know you know you can't run your program so it brings to light some of these more um, underlying tendencies and if you're you know you can obviously it's up to you what teacher you take you know and then it's something that someone you feel trust with you feel is looking after you and then they will certainly um, show you things about your your patterns and your, if, if, if you if you can work in that in that way the main thing being that if you don't clear these obsessions then they too become a station for consciousness and leads to further rebirth and so on if one doesn't intend doesn't arrange or obsess about anything there is no support there being no support there is no landing of consciousness there is no production of renewed becoming in the future no future birth, ageing, death sorrow, lamentation, pain such is the cessation of the entire mass of suffering so what I'm saying is those two those two, sec, those two um, references that and the one before about formations really you can match them to, up together Let's say the Buddha didn't teach a program but you can you can start to put suttas in parallel and see how perhaps the same kind of thing is being said using slightly different language and what we're talking about essentially here is the stopping of formations the stopping of sankharas hmm. neither good nor bad nor serene because if you stop those there's no intending, no arranging, no obsessing then the ending of Sankara consciousness doesn't land and there's an ending of this entire mass of Dukkha yes wriggle a bit better perhaps um, yeah I think why, why we give the teachings is to try to instill that sense in, in everything that occurs is something you can learn about and uh, often you learn about where you, you learn about where you're getting stuck what you're sticking to what you expect, what happens when things don't go the way you expected them to and how frustrated one can get how confused one can get how, you know, the, the sense of something wrong with me, something wrong with it what's going on, feel really disoriented say, oh, good, 
good, yeah. <laughs> you know, sort of, uh, so this, this shows things, but also we do have to have um, uh, a kind of a frame of reference or a reference point that can s- mean we find somewhere where within us there's a sense of knowing or stillness or ease, so you've got some basis to reflect upon the agitation that's brought up when you meet um, the, your edge, when you meet your frustration or you meet your uncertainties. You've got something that can help you through that. And it isn't always calm, though calm is a very important reference. The continuing thing that can meet that is, is insight, is wisdom. That's why we use the calm to begin to really disconnect from these self-destruct programs, these indulgence programs, these addiction programs, so you, you really don't go there anymore, then what's left is wisdom. <laughs> That's the only place you can go to if, you, if you've cut, burnt the bridges on the other ones. Wisdom and compassion. You know, wisdom is compassion, it's the same thing. You know? The idea is you, it's quite sort of pragmatic in a way, you just cut down the other outlets. All you can do is be wise and compassionate. <laughs> Which is good because of when you you know, you think when you're coming to die what are you gonna do about that then? So so why we reflect on death every day. It's a good thing to reflect upon, say, okay, this is annoying, disappointing, so this is gonna kill me. So you use it just as if you know you, 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 there's a certain impotence, and then what happens then? Can there be the wisdom to see this? This is just a condition passing. <laughs>